This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Steve Brown. The Age of Reason by Thomas Paine. Part 1st, Section 7. Let him believe this and he will live more consistently and morally than by any other system. It is by his being taught to contemplate himself as an outlaw, as an outcast, as a beggar, as a mumper, as one thrown, as it were, on a dunghill at an immense distance from his creator, and who must make his approaches by creeping and cringing to intermediate beings that he conceives either a contemptuous disregard for everything under the name of religion, or becomes indifferent, or turns what he calls devout. In the latter case, he consumes his life in grief, or the affectation of it. His prayers are reproaches. His humility is ingratitude. He calls himself a worm, and the fertile earth a dunghill and all the blessings of life by the thankless name of vanities. He despises the choicest gift of God to man, the gift of reason, and having endeavored to force upon himself the belief of a system against which reason revolts, he ungratefully calls it human reason, as if man could give reason to himself. Yet with all this strange appearance of humility and this contempt for human reason, he ventures into the boldest presumptions. He finds fault with everything. His selfishness is never satisfied. His ingratitude is never at an end. He takes on himself to direct the Almighty what to do, even in the government of the universe. He prays dictatorially. When it is sunshine, he prays for rain. And when it is rain, he prays for sunshine. He follows the same idea in everything that he prays for. For what is the amount of all his prayers but an attempt to make the Almighty change his mind and act otherwise than he does? It is as if he were to say, Thou knowest not so well as I. But some, perhaps, will say, Are we to have no word of God, no revelation? I answer, Yes, there is a word of God there is a revelation. The word of God is the creation we behold, and it is in this word, which no human invention can counterfeit or alter, that God speaketh universally to man. Human language is local and changeable, and is therefore incapable of being used as the means of unchangeable and universal information. The idea that God sent Jesus Christ to publish, as they say, the glad tidings to all nations, from one end of the earth to the other, is consistent only with the ignorance of those who knew nothing of the extent of the world, and who believed, as those world saviors believed, and continued to believe for several centuries, and that in contradiction to the discoveries of philosophers and the experience of navigators, that the earth was flat like a trencher, and that man might walk to the end of it. But how was Jesus Christ to make anything known to all nations. He could speak but one language, which was Hebrew. And there are in the world several hundred languages. Scarcely any two nations speak the same language, 
or understand each other, and as to translations, every man who knows anything of languages knows that it is impossible to translate from one language to another, not only without losing a great part of the original, but frequently of mistaking the sense, and besides all this, the art of printing was wholly unknown at the time Christ lived. It is always necessary that the means that are to accomplish any end be equal to the accomplishment of that end, or the end cannot be accomplished. It is in this that the difference between finite and infinite power and wisdom discovers itself. Man frequently fails in accomplishing his ends from a natural inability of the powers to the purpose and frequently from the want of wisdom to apply power properly. But it is impossible for infinite power and wisdom to fail as man faileth. The means it useth are always equal to the end. But human language, more especially as there is not an universal language, is incapable of being used as a universal means of unchangeable and uniform information, and therefore it is not the means that God useth in manifesting himself universally to man. It is only in the creation that all our ideas and conceptions of a word of God can unite. The creation speaketh an universal language, independently of human speech or human language, multiplied and various as they may be. It is an ever-existing original, which every man can read. It cannot be forged. It cannot be counterfeited. It cannot be lost. It cannot be altered. It cannot be suppressed. It does not depend upon the will of man whether it shall be published or not. It publishes itself from one end of the earth to the other. It preaches to all nations and to all worlds. And this word of God reveals to man all that is necessary for man to know of God. Do we want to contemplate his power? We see it in the immensity of the creation. Do we want to contemplate his wisdom? We see it in the unchangeable order by which the incomprehensible whole is governed. Do we want to contemplate his munificence? We see it in the abundance with which he fills the earth. Do we want to contemplate his mercy? We see it in his not withholding that abundance even from the unthankful. In fine, do we want to know what God is? Search not the book called the Scripture, which any human hand might make, but the Scripture called the creation. The only idea man can affix to the name of God is that of a first cause, the cause of all things. And incomprehensible and difficult as it is for a man to conceive what a first cause is, he arrives at the belief of it from the tenfold greater difficulty of disbelieving it. It is difficult beyond description to conceive that space can have no end, but it is more difficult to conceive an end. It is difficult beyond the power of man to conceive an internal duration of what we call time, but it is more impossible to conceive a time when there shall be no time. In like manner of reasoning, Everything we behold carries in itself the eternal evidence that it did not make itself. Every man is an evidence to himself that he did not make himself. 
Neither could his father make himself, nor his grandfather, nor any of his race, neither could any tree, plant, or animal make itself. And it is the conviction arising from this evidence that carries us on, as it were, by necessity, to the belief of a first cause eternally existing, of a nature totally different to any material existence we know of, and by the power of which all things exist, and this first cause man calls God. It is only by the exercise of reason that man can discover God. Take away that reason, and he would be incapable of understanding anything, and in this case, it would be just as consistent to read even the book called the Bible to a horse as to a man. How then is it that those people pretend to reject reason? Almost the only parts in the book called the Bible that convey to us any idea of God are some chapters in Job and the 19th Psalm. I recollect no other. Those parts are true deistical compositions, for they treat of the deity through his works. They take the book of creation as the word of God. They refer to no other book, and all the inferences they make are drawn from that volume. I insert in this place the 19th Psalm, as paraphrased into English verse by Addison. I recollect not the prose, and where I write this, I have not the opportunity of seeing it. The spacious firmament on high, with all the blue ethereal sky, and spangled heavens, a shining frame, their great original proclaim. The unwearied sun, from day to day, does his creator's power display, and publishes to every land the work of an almighty hand. Soon as the evening shades prevail, the moon takes up the wondrous tale, and nightly to the listening earth repeats the story of her birth. While all the stars that round her burn, and all the planets in their turn, confirm the tidings as they roll, and spread the truth from pole to pole. What though in solemn silence all move round this dark terrestrial ball? What though no real voice or sound amidst their radiant orbs be found? In reason's ear they all rejoice and utter forth a glorious voice, forever singing as they shine, the hand that made us is divine. End of part seven.